Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Reds podcast your first listen of the day as we break down this pair of games for the Cincinnati Reds in Chicago. Not really going to focus too much on the wins and losses because be honest with you, they're not really that important right now for the red legs, but I do have a few takeaways to give you from these two games. I also want to talk about Luis Castillo. He's going to pitch on Friday. We're going to talk about his season and what it has been the, the crazy journey that he's been on. We're going to break that down and we're going to add another point to the off season checklist. Kind of wanted to talk about Castillo today because on Friday's episode, got a special treat plan for you a little bit of something different going to have a couple of people in maybe one or two different uh, locked on hosts we're going to be talking about looking ahead to the playoffs. Speaking of which, there will be an MLB playoff preview show hosted by myself and Sully from Locked On MLB that'll be dropping in the feeds on Monday. Get excited about that. But well, before we really jump into the meat of all of this stuff, let's get going with the intro. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the game just went final, recording it the night before. How about that? We're recording right after the Reds and White Sox go final. They end up losing 6-1 to one to the Pale Hose up in Chicago. And I got a couple of takeaways from this series, not necessarily honing in on any one individual thing about wins and losses or things like that. But when I look at this White Sox series, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. Number one was the fact that in this series, it really showed us that for the rest of this season, and yes, there are now only three games left. I hate counting down toward the end of baseball because I love baseball. I, I want more of it, but we're going to have to watch other teams play in the postseason. But for these final three games, it's going to be like a spring training in September kind of deal. There's going to be some guys playing in different positions. There's going to get some, there's going to have some young guys getting looks. You had Max Schrock playing first base last night. You had another game of Jose Barrero in center field. You had some other guys getting at bats, guys that the Reds are trying to figure out if they're going to be on the, on the spring training roster next year and vying for a shot at the, uh, at the opening day roster. I love what I saw again, his third appearance from Dowry Moretta. Dowry Moretta just has this absolutely aggressive approach to every single at bat. He is throwing his best pitch and he is daring each pitcher to, or each hitter to uh, swing at it and hit it. He did have a very long at bat against Yuan Mankata. Yuan Mankata had, I believe it was 10 pitches before he finally was uh, popped out the shallow left field that Eugenio Suarez cut that ball. And it was funny because whenever Moretta gave up the pop fly, he like immediately screamed in his glove. You could tell he wanted to strike him out, but the way that he was going about it, he wasn't trying to nibble. He wasn't throwing like just close, but outside the zone, everything was in the zone. And a couple of pitches that he got Moncada to chase, Moncada was still able to foul it off. So it was an impressive at bat for him that ended up in an out, but it was an impressive at bat for Moretta because then he followed that up against Luis Garcia or Lurie Garcia by striking him out. 
he has this phenomenal slider. That, that slider is just so crisp. The way that it breaks down and it just dips below the swing plane of the hitter. And then he fires that fastball at 95 plus in there. And it just, I, I love the way that Dowry Moretta pitches. And he showed a changeup. He only threw it, I think, one time. And I think that was to uh, Garcia. But he showed that he has that third pitch. And maybe he could develop that. And who knows? I mean, maybe we're talking about the bullpen ace of the future in Dowry Moretta. But I love what I saw from him. So that's just part of the idea, though. It's kind of like extended spring training now here in September. Second thing I took away from this series and really just from game two was Sonny Gray has been okay. There were rumors this past off season about the Reds possibly trading Sonny Gray, whether it be here, there, or anywhere. It wasn't necessarily that concrete of a rumor simply because they weren't getting reportedly, they weren't getting the offers back that they wanted. They weren't, uh, the price tag was not getting met. I think part of that had to do with the fact that he still had two years left on his contract this past off season. So they thought it would be more lucrative to dangle him to potential buyers then, and maybe get something back who could help the reds immediately for the, uh, for the return. Obviously that didn't happen. And the 2021 season is in the books for Sonny Gray. This was his final start. His ERA is going to finish over four. Not necessarily something that you get that excited about, but the season as a whole was all right for Sonny Gray, which I think misses the mark. I think that he is an ace type pitcher. At least he should have been. Maybe our expectations were too high, which is in and of itself a little bit depressing to kind of admit when it comes to Sonny Gray. But what happens next year? Next year's his contract year. He's got to pitch better if he's going to continue to garner the respect and, and the kind of free agent attention you would have figured he would have gotten whenever the Reds traded for him. And, and he really kind of had that resurgent year. But I, I just look at Sonny Gray and I wonder what the Reds are going to get out of him next year. How healthy is he going to be? How effective is he going to be? Because it seemed like... Sonny Gray either had to kind of pitch to contact a little bit or he had to pitch for strikeouts. He really never mixed the two. They, you had two different starts, two different mindsets whenever Sonny Gray was on the mound. And you could totally see that in the works. He didn't pitch very well there in game two against the White Sox, giving up four runs and four and two thirds. And in those four and two thirds, he threw 86 pitches. Just was not efficient with his pitches that night. So I, I wonder what the future holds for Sonny Gray and the Cincinnati Reds. And my last takeaway is this coming into the postseason, We knew that the White Sox were going to be there. Like if you looked at the baseball landscape, you knew that the White Sox were a good team. They're going to be in the postseason race. They got this manager though, that I believe in the month of October is going to do some funny stuff because last night in game two, the reds were firmly behind. They, they began the ninth inning down six to nothing. They just so happened to score one run. Kyle farmer came around to score on a Delino to shields double into the gap. And so Tony LaRusso decided that he would pull his pitcher with two outs, a runner on second base for the reds and a five run lead. Again, the guy that was on the mound didn't look like he had his worst stuff going on. Didn't look like he had his best stuff, but he wasn't bad. 
I just thought it was kind of weird. It was kind of a, Hey, I got to get my face out here before the game's over. I got to make sure everybody knows. Hi, Tony Russa. I'm here. I'm managing. He is going to do some shenanigans in the month of October and I'm here for it. And I can't wait to see what it is because he's Tony Russa. shenanigans follow. All right. Speaking of shenanigans, all right, not, no shenanigans with this guy. We're talking about Luis Castillo coming up next because I've been impressed with how he has bounced back. Talking about after his first two full months of this season. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that here in just a minute. Before we get into that, I want you to get Upside. Go check out the Get Upside app today. It's on the Google Play Store or on the App Store if you are an Apple user. You can download it today and start saving money off of your fill-ups for gas. Whenever you're filling your car up for gas, you can get cash back. Some people get up to $200 or $300 a month because they fill up so much and use the Get Upside app. And my listeners are making $0.25 cents a gallon more on their first fill-up when they enter the promo code BASEBALL. Download the Get Upside app today for free in the App Store or Google Play Store and enter the promo code BASEBALL to get an extra $0.25 cents on your or per gallon on your first fill-up. You can make up to $0.50 cents a gallon back on your first fill-up with the Get Upside app today. People are making cash back on this. I don't know what's uh, why would you not want to make cash back. Download the Get Upside app today in the app store or Google play and use the promo code baseball to get 25 cents extra back per gallon on your first fill up. Like I said, lots of people making lots of cash back. Make sure you're one of them just like me with the get upside app. And for your first fill up to get an extra 25 cents per gallon enter the promo code baseball. Luis Castillo has been nothing short of phenomenal since June 1st. In fact, since his first start in June, and we've been talking about this a lot, he has a total of 130 innings pitched, and he has an ERA of 2.77. Ow. I'm not going to do that again. That hurt. Um, anyway, 139 strikeouts, and he's only allowed 92 total base runners in those 130 innings, 43 hits, and 49 walks. Luis Castillo has bounced back phenomenally, and that is amazing considering if he has a good start on Friday against the Pirates at PNC Park against Will Crow, then he has a shot to bring his ERA under four. Now you're saying, Jeff, you always talk about how talented he is, how much Luis Castillo is the ace of this staff. Yes, I know. There's a reason for it. He has immense talent. And the reason that he is able to bring his ERA under four, if he has a good start on Friday, just shows you how good he's been because after his start on May 29th, when he gave up four earned runs, his ERA set at 7.22. You likely remember this just in case you were listening to the podcast back then, because I was fighting off commenters and people on Twitter and all these other people that were like, you got to send them down. You got to send them to the minor leagues. He's got to work on something. He's got to figure it out. He's terrible. He's awful. He's, he's just not going to figure it out up here in the major leagues. He's killing the team, which at that point he was kind of a very big hurt for this Reds team because that was when the bullpen was at its worst. So no matter how good the starter was, the bullpen was making things even worse. So if he gave up six runs on four innings, the bullpen was going to come in and give up six more. 
it was just bad times at Great American Ballpark and, you know, on the road too for the Red Legs for Luis Castillo in those first two months. But that is how talented he is. He has turned everything around and he is now looking at the chance to bring it under four. I love that. He is the most talented pitcher on this roster, but there's a question, at least in my mind. I don't know. Maybe it's in yours. Maybe I'm overthinking this. You can let me know. 513-549-01594, the Lockdown Reds line, or hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and uh, follow the show at Lockdown Reds. Is he the ace next year? When you look at this team, when you look at everything Tyler Malley has done, and yes, we've talked about how inefficient he can be with his pitches, I still think Tyler Malley has shown great strides this year and has a chance to be the team's ace next year. I still think Luis Castillo is that guy, but I kind of don't, I, I'm not like as sure of that as I have been in years past, simply because it feels like, okay, number one, those first two months just were head scratching. He wasn't hurt. His velocity wasn't down. I don't know if it was a mechanical thing where maybe he was tipping pitches. I, it, it was just an enigma those first two months. I don't know how you explain it. I mean, you never see, and, and he's probably unfair to compare him to this guy, but you never see Max Scherzer go through times like that. Now, maybe he has a bad start here or there. I know he gave up a handful of runs in Colorado the other day, but what pitcher doesn't? But, but still, you never see a guy go through two months of a bad stretch like that. Like You never see Max Scherzer do that. The top flight aces in this sport. And I think that Luis Castillo has the talent to get there. He's not there right now. I'm not saying that. I don't think that he's on the same level as Max Scherzer. I think he could get there. But how does he get there? I think mental makeup has a lot to do with it. You saw him pitch really well in that game against the Dodgers. It really looked like he was amped up for it. But there are some games that you can watch him pitch, and it's just like he's not there. Not, not as if he's not concentrating enough, but it just seems like his intensity isn't quite to the level you would expect of an ace, a guy who's going to come in and shut people down. I, I think that he can get there next year, but I wonder about that just simply from the standpoint of, you know, mental makeup and what he has in the competitive tank that it's a really trippy way of trying to get my point across. But when I look at Luis Castillo, he definitely has the talent to be a top flight starter in this league. And I talked about it with Sonny Gray and his injury concerns. Luis Castillo was dangled as a trade chip. There, there were, of course, those rumors that we debunked in the offseason about him being traded to the New York Yankees. That was reported as a done deal. I'm sure there were rumors and I'm sure there were talks about sending Luis Castillo to the Yankees because reportedly the team was trying to see what they could get for him. Maybe they could turn him into a big kind of uh, reset the franchise type move, not in a rebuilding way, but like you make a trade for Luis Castillo for one or two guys who can help you out right now. They were probably looking for something like that. What do they do within this offseason? Is it just, okay, we can go out and extend him now, like buy out his remaining arbitration years and then give him a year or take a year or two off of his free agent clock for the Cincinnati Reds. Or do you just kind of see what happens next year? Because felt 
like that's what they did this year. And maybe the gamble paid off, but at the end of the year, if he's going to have an ERA in the threes, he's going to look like a pretty decent pitcher. And he's obviously going to make a raise in arbitration, but overall the reds have to be more proactive with what they do with their stars. Uh, I think that they tried it and got burnt by it with Homer Bailey and to a large part, I, I don't know if you would ask if they wanted to do over the Joey Votto deal again. I don't think so because I like the Joey Votto. I'm so glad that he is still here and he's going to be here for a couple more years, but it kind of makes you wonder about things like that. So are they, are, are they want to do that? They, they don't do. They want to do that. And the question's going to be answered by Luis Castillo if he's into that sort of contract negotiation, or if he's going to come out and just pitch lights out next year. And then let's talk about, I don't know. When I look at Luis Castillo though, I'm excited to see what he can bring on Friday because he's got a shot. He's got a shot to get that ERA in the three range. And when you talk about guys in the three range, you're talking about some pretty darn good pitchers. All right. Coming up, uh, off season. Uh, there's, there's lots, lots, lots to do. The checklist is going to be huge. We're going to fill out another, uh, point that the reds need to check off this off season. That isn't anywhere near done. We'll get to that in just a moment though. First, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. It's the only online sports book that I trust. And now you can get 100% more on your initial deposit with the promo code locked on. Go to betonline.ag, set up your profile and type in that promo code locked on to get 100% more. Whatever you put in, they're gonna double it at betonline.ag. And you can get on the action with Major League Baseball where you're talking about money lines or run lines, plus or minus minus one and a half, and you've got over-unders. I gave you a tip yesterday, man, I felt really strongly about Casey Mize and the Tigers, but he just didn't have it, and the Tigers ended up losing. So that wasn't a good pick. So I don't really have anything for you today. kind of want to lay low a little bit. One of the keys with uh, sports wagering is knowing when to stop as it is knowing what is a good pick, and today we're just going to stop for a minute. But when I'm looking at the NFL slate this weekend, you can jump in on that action as well at betonline.ag. It's the only online sports book that I trust. And they're giving you 100% more on your initial deposit with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. And head on over to rockauto.com for the next part for your car because Rock Auto has all of the parts your car will ever need. And they're family owned and have been working at this for over 20 years. They can help you find exactly what you're looking for. If you are an adamant mechanical professional, or if you don't know a tail lamp from a tail light, whatever, or tail lamp from a tailpipe. That's what I was meant in this. Hey, it's getting late. Anyway, check out rockauto.com to find all the parts for your car. If you're trying to restore a classic car, or if you've got your everyday driving Honda Civic, they've got parts that can help you out and they'll deliver them right to your door. Go to rockauto.com today. And when you're in the checkout section in the, how'd you hear about us area type in locked on to let them know that your pal Jeff from the locked on reds podcast sent you that's rockauto.com. And in the checkout section in the, how'd you hear about us area? Type in locked on rockauto.com has all of the parts that your car will ever need. All right. We're going to wrap up today's podcast. 
by checking off another box or at least adding another box for the Reds front office to check off. And I've got it up. If you're watching on YouTube, here it is. Point number one, bring back Nick Castellanos. Point number two, two, you can kind of see my fingers up there. Yeah, whatever. Improve the bullpen. Now you're saying, Jeff, that's pretty vague. I mean, come on. We all know that the bullpen needs improved. Yes, it does. Here's my thought on that, though. When we're looking at this bullpen, I believe that there are plenty of options for middle relief. You're talking about Dowry Moretto, which I, I, I don't want to put a ton of pressure on him right away and say, oh, I believe that he is the bullpen ace next year. Dude's only had three career appearances. I'm going to like lay off a little bit and say, I want to see more, but I'm very intrigued. You've got Tony Santian, who has shown a great fastball slider combination and a pretty decent changeup to boot. He could be something in the future as well. Again, still want to start him off in middle relief next year. You've got guys like Lucas Sims, who I believe will probably be the starter out of camp should the Reds not do what I'm about to say. Uh, be, the, be the bullpen ace closer out of camp because he has been phenomenal ever since coming off the injured list. Talked about that the other day. Ever since he came off the injured list, he's striking out guys at just below 50%. Yeah, that's that's not hyperbole. That's actually what he's doing. He's been phenomenal. And you've got Michael Lorenzen on a contract year. Do they bring him back? What does that look like? He might not even be on the team next year. So you're looking at some unproven guys, maybe Revar San Martin. He's going to get the last start of the season in Pittsburgh. Maybe Revar San Martin is a guy that you look at. Um, you've TJ Antone's not going to be back next year, so he's not going to be an option. Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson will be back. They are both under contract for next season. So how does that look? I, I, I think that they've got some options in-house in the middle relief. I think that they do. So you're not going out and doing a full bullpen rebuild. Give me one or two guys. You don't have to go and sign three or four veteran guys. The Reds don't have to go out. Here's the thing, too, and I've heard this from some people. Boy, they got to bring back Michael Givens. I would love to see that, but if they bring back Michael Givens, I want that to be their second move. I want them to go out and get a bona fide bullpen ace, a closer. And I know that that David Bell has done this closer by committee thing, but I've kind of changed my tune and how I view that because in the uh, beginning of the season, I thought the idea of having a closer by committee was a good thing. It meant that you had multiple guys that you trusted, that you could run out there whenever you need them. And I think that I still believe that if your guy is labeled the closer, labeled the bullpen ace, you still pitch him where you need him. You don't necessarily remainder him to the final inning of the game, but I believe that you need that one guy. You need that anchor that you can trust in your bullpen every single night out. Like, obviously you don't want to pitch him every single night, 162 appearances, the guy would be dead, but you're talking about the Reds are playing the Cardinals and they're up by one and the bases are loaded and you need two outs because there's only one out on the board. Who are you bringing in from the bullpen to do that? I want you to know without thinking, I want David Bell to be like this guy, this is who we're going to get. I want them to find that whether through free agency or through a trade or something like that, they need that guy. That's got to be priority number two, right behind bringing back Nick Castellanos. We talked about his value to the lineup a couple of days ago on the podcast. So if you missed that, you can go check that out. But right here with this point, 
and I'll throw it up here again for the folks on YouTube. Point number two, improve the bullpen. And I think that you do that by going out and getting a bona fide bullpen ace, not some guy who, well, yeah, okay. He's all right. I think we can put him at the top of the bullpen because he's better than what we got. I want this to be a guy that the rest of the league looks and says, I see you Cincinnati. I get it. I like it. That's a good move. I want that. That's what I'm talking about for the front office. And I know that probably sounds lofty. That probably sounds like it's too rich for this team. But again, if it's too rich to compete, then why are you in the business of owning a sports team? That's the way that I'm going to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching here on YouTube and, and apologies about yesterday, we had some technical difficulties trying to get the video up. So it was audio only. If you missed yesterday, you can find it on any podcasting app because when you make the locked on reds podcast, your first listen of the day, you know, you're getting it for free. Every single app that has podcasts out there, including YouTube, it's free every day and it's everywhere. The Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure you're following on your favorite podcasting app. And now go check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Your boy Q and Lee Sterling have got the tips to help you make some cash over at betonline.ag. That's Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. But as for Locked On Reds and your host, Jeff Carr, I'll talk to you guys and gals tomorrow.